The Olympic Games in Tokyo begin 100 days from today. After being delayed a calendar year because of the pandemic, sports' greatest spectacle is now just a Simone Biles double backflip away. Toyota, which moved its North American operation to DFW in 2017, is the sponsor of the International Olympic Committee and International Paralympic Committee. Today, we're joined here on the mic drop by Deidre DeLilly, the leader of Toyota's global and domestic sponsorships of the Olympics and Paralympics, to talk about how the iconic auto manufacturer plans to activate around this summer's games, about how much she has come to love North Texas as a New York transplant, and how, how Toyota loves being in the region as well. Then Rolando Blackman, one of the most popular athletes in Dallas history, one of only three Mavs to have his number retired. Roe joins us to talk about the state of Mavericks basketball, little Luca magic, the competitive fire that fueled him throughout his career, including his dislike for many of his opponents, and, and how he sees the Mavericks shaping up for the stretch run of the playoffs. And finally, Fox 4's Mike Ducey joins us for last-minute Cowboys draft predictions and to tell us what he's been downloading in his free time. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop Podcast. Kevin Sullivan here, joined as always by my co-host Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and of course our next level intern Marcus Carr. Monica, what's happening at the uh, Sports Commission these days? Well, Sully, it's been a great week. Uh, we had a great weekend last week, uh, and we're going into our second weekend of events being open, or the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center being open uh, with our Lone Star Classic, so successfully uh, hosted a bit with COVID protocols of about 15,000, so excited about that. We've got the American Volleyball Coaches Association Division II Women's Championships in that just started yesterday, you know, crown a champion uh, uh, on Sunday. Some big, big announcements we're, we're planning for next week, I think next Thursday or Friday, so our next podcast we should uh, be able to celebrate pretty big. Um, and then continuing our quest for that World Cup, uh, have some upcoming meetings with FIFA. Uh, human rights planning is going really well. A lot of uh, key engagement uh, with community stakeholders uh, to really uh, hopefully uh, nail and uh, bring home that uh, human rights plan that's uh, coming up due. So exciting th times. We can definitely feel the energy here within the city and within the region of sporting events uh, picking up all throughout uh, from, from Dallas to Fort Worth, Arlington, Frisco, and everywhere in between. So uh, it's been a good week. More to come. We'll look forward to you breaking some news on the mic drop uh, yes. next week. And Marcus, you were at uh, Globe Life Field. Monica talked about events getting going again. Of course, the Rangers are underway. Uh, you were on hand at Globe Life Field to witness Joe Musgrove of the Padres throw the club's first no-hitter in 53 years. Unfortunate for the Rangers, but you were part of history. But that wasn't the only milestone for you personally that night. Yeah, so that was my 31st MLB stadium. I had just completed 30 um, in 2017 after my after I graduated high school. So um, good to be back in baseball for one. Good to be at Globe Life Field for that moment. Um, hadn't been to a Rangers game since 2016. Unfortunate for the Rangers that that is what happened. But I had never seen a no hitter um, so close. In I believe it was 2016. I saw Kershaw, which Dallas native, um, go seven and two thirds. And I was losing my mind. So I was sick at this game. I was texting my brother the whole time. I was like, I can't breathe. I cannot believe this is happening. Um, it's good that a Dallas native ha it did it against the Rangers. So that that's, that's great. But um, Globe Life Field, really nice ballpark. Um, really impressed with what they what they've done. And uh, great environment, honestly. So excited for the Rangers and, and, and whatnot this year. Well, well, pretty cool. Yeah. It's uh, what did you like best about it? It's getting rave reviews. I honestly think that the openness of the stadium, um, because everybody was very critical about it being so close to the Astro stadium in, in Minute Maid Park, it does have its own unique feel, um, very open space, very modern. Um, there's not a bad seat in the stadium. I did about two laps around the stadium before the, before the game um, started. So I, there's just no place in that stadium where you're going to have a bad seat. And 
it, it feels just very, very right on cue for the Rangers. And plus being, being indoors is definitely a, a huge plus being in Texas heat. Well, good deal. Moving on. The masters are behind us. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. It was great to see local golfer Will Zalatoris have a near mic drop moment. 24 year old Will Zalatoris taking second place. I got to give myself a double bogey on last week's show. I said he was a Jesuit product like Jordan Spieth, who finished tied for third, by the way. Of course, Will actually went to Trinity Christian Academy. So let's set the record straight there. Uh, you know, he grew up playing with Scotty Scheffler uh, in Dallas Junior Golf, and Scheffler uh, finished tied for 18th. So we had three Dallas products in the top 18 at the Masters. Pretty impressive. And it was fun to watch the, the, the back and forth on social media between uh, Adam Sandler and Will Zalatoris uh, talking about Will's resemblance to the caddy in Happy Gilmore. And Sandler tweeted to Will, uh, you know, have fun today, young man. Mr. Gilmore is watching and is very proud. So that was that was kind of kind of cool to see. So we'll be back uh, in a minute with uh, Deidre DeLilly. But first, over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you tired of nights in binge watching your spouse's or quarantine partner's favorite shows or waiting for the delivery service to bring you a lukewarm meal? Let's bring hot dogs and cold brews back. How? Hockey is back. That's right, your Dallas Stars, remember them? Western Conference champs last year? Well, they're back and they're bringing the heat to the AAC ice while on their quest to bring the Stanley Cup back to Dallas. And the best part, fans are welcome. Yep, dreams come true. So visit DallasStars.com today for all the best ticket deals and schedule information. Thanks, Rachel. It's now great to welcome Deidre DeLilly of Toyota North America to the, to the mic drop. She leads marketing efforts for Toyota's Olympic and Paralympic sponsorships and more. Deidre is a big Rangers fan, but that's the New York Rangers. She moved here when Toyota relocated to the area from California back in 2017. She's an athlete too, played field hockey for the University of Maine Black Bears. Welcome, Deidre. Hello. Hi, good morning, Deidre. How Hi. are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Well, we're going to jump right in. Um, you know, you lead a, a team responsible for strategic development, production, event activation, auto shows across Toyota's portfolio of culinary, lifestyle, music, action sports, and the Olympics and Paralympics, which are uh, coming up right around the corner. So, uh, with the Olympics coming up, can you talk to us a little bit about preparations under the underway? What are you working on? Um, I had the opportunity to, to be part of an official delegation uh, to Olympics uh, before and then a fan. So uh, it always amazes me of uh, everything that goes into it. So I, I know Toyota plays a big part. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's been a, a really interesting and challenging year in the Olympic and Paralympic <laughs> space. That is for sure. We, you know, we have been a, a, both a global partner of the Olympics and Paralympics, as well as a Team USA partner. And so, of course, with, with the pandemic, you know, I think we have had all kinds of curveballs thrown at us over the last year. But like everybody else, right, we're, we're powering through. Um, so, you know, I think one thing that, that I'll say about the Olympics and Paralympics, having worked in this landscape for over a decade, is that uncertainty is certain. And, um, and so, you know, we, we kind of forge ahead, but we have an eight-year partnership uh, as a global sponsor through, at this point, Parish 2024. And so my team's responsible for really activating kind of all aspects of this partnership. So on the global side, you know, all of the creative across all of our marketing and advertising channels, we've created a campaign, um, really a global corporate initiative called Start Your Impossible. Hopefully you saw it uh, leading into to Pyeongchang. You're gonna see it again here um, in, in Tokyo. And, and that's really kind of all about, you know, aiming to inspire our team members, our partners, our customers to really kind of connect with the core beliefs of, of Toyota. And we are on this 50 year transformative brand journey to move Toyota from what people perceive as a car company to becoming a mobility company. So no bigger or better platform in the world than, than using the, the Olympics and Paralympics to be able to do that. And then, and then here in the US, you know, we also have our, our Team USA partnership. So you know, what we really use that in a little bit of a different way, certainly supporting our global efforts, but we sponsor 31 awesome, amazing, incredible Olympic and Paralympic athletes from the US. We can't wait to see compete here in Tokyo soon. 
Um, and then also 17 national governing bodies. So, you know, USA Swimming, USA Track and Field, USA Hockey. And that, that really kind of gives us an opportunity to, uh, to bring our dealers and our, our customers here stateside, you know, have them have an opportunity to really kind of engage with the partnership at a, at a more localized grassroots level. So lots of work happening, lots of shifting and replanning and, and kind of getting regrounded in, in our new approach as, as you know, Tokyo has one been delayed for a year and then two, just several weeks ago, we learned right, no fans, no spectators can actually attend um, outside of, of Japan. So it's been a challenge, but you know, I think for, for us, we're just excited that we have the opportunity for uh, you know, to play a role when consumers here in the States will, will be watching the games. Um, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of our, our advertising and the commitment that we've made to the movement through, th through television, through social, through uh, all really kind of marketing channels um, here in the States. Well, I think you, you hit on my second question there. And uh, I love that you uh, partner with uh, national governing bodies. A lot of national governing bodies are our partners here, and uh, we're very aggressive in trying to secure some of those uh, national championships and events. I think actually uh, USA Fencing is going to be here in town uh, uh, if yep. they haven't been. I, I know there were some Olympic trials here over, over the last few weeks out in Fort Worth, um, and, and we, we love those partnerships too. So I think, thank you for supporting them along Absolutely. the way and, and those athletes. So, um, you know, you mentioned the, the, the spectators no longer permitted in, uh, in Tokyo to, to watch the Olympics. And, you know, you've already shifted from one year full, full planning. Um, oh. How exactly have your plans shifted, I guess, there a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's um, kind of got to be on your toes. So, <laughs> um, you know, we, we had a really strong plan in place, we'll say a year, over a year ago, right? our global and kind of our, our regional creative what was all locked in, our media plans were confirmed. We had a global launch event already planned. And of course, hospitality programs, which, you know, I think for us is probably the biggest change, the biggest implication. You know, we, we were gonna bring a, a pretty large group of, of executives and dealers and, um, you know, some stakeholders over to Tokyo to be able to cheer on our athletes. And so, Unfortunately, you know, I think that component has, has had to be canceled um, and, you know, it, it's, it's disappointing for all of us, but the one thing that we are very happy about and just elated that the athletes still have the opportunity to compete, right? That is the most important thing. They have worked tirelessly for now an extra year just to qualify to be able to compete. And, you know, I think disappointing for them, they won't have fans and their families in place but they do at least still have this opportunity to, you know, be able to, you know, have this dream of, of being an Olympic or Paralympic athlete come to fruition. So, you know, I think we're of course looking at all of the activation plans that are happening on the ground in terms of, you know, public transportation is going to look a little bit different, right? There's not going to be as many opportunities for, you know, activation on the ground in, in Tokyo. And again, hospitality is, is, I think, probably the biggest thing that's been hit. Um, but, you know, we're going to just kind of do what we can do and continue to support as much as we can stateside. So, Deidre, you operate a lot, uh, many, many global events. Uh, and we're ex very, very excited that uh, Dallas and North Texas is uh, your home now. So, uh, uh, and, and that, you know, Toyota is here and a great partner. Um, have you been able to make Dallas home yet? Have you uh, been able to experience some fun things and r really feel like North Texas is home? I, I have, you know, I, I'm a New Yorker. So uh, I, I grew up in upstate New York and then spent most of my career, almost 20 years of my career working in the New York City, New Jersey area. And so I'll always identify as a New Yorker, <laughs> but what I must say, and, and I think coming into to Texas, you know, I thought there's no better, bigger, more passionate sports fans than New Yorkers. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so, um, I, I love living here. It was it was time for a change. You know, I think from the from, you know, not having a commute to, you know, having a bigger opportunity to have a bigger living space. You know, it's it's just there's so much that this this area offers. And, and I think, you know, one of the things, a funny story when my husband and I moved in, um, we got in an elevator on day one and someone just said to us, hi, how are you? And we thought, as a New Yorker, are they talking to us? <laughs> and so I think the friendliness, 
and just, you know, the neighborly <laughs> approach everyone has here in Texas is something I just absolutely adore. So, um, you know, and then being a, a huge sports fan, still sticking with, you know, my, my New York roots and, and I'm a hardcore Yankees and Giants <laughs> fan, but definitely still really enjoy, um, you know, being able to, to take in as much sport as I can here um, in the area. Well, then I have two comments on that one. One, <laughs> is it... Uh, should we hold you responsible for this snowstorm? You, you brought us some New York weather here a, a few weeks or a month, two months ago now. And then I'm interested to know how long it's going to take us to get you a little uh, Southern drawl and saying y'all and fixing and, and all those types of things. So uh, um, we'll, we'll see how long that it takes to, for that to well, come along. I'm not quite there yet, although I did <laughs> send a text message just yesterday that included y'all and I started to delete it and I said, I'm going to actually keep it. So not quite there yet but yes i mean one of the, the things i also love about of course texas is this weather so when that storm rolled in you know i, I you know i'd say we, we were probably more prepared than, than most of our neighbors mm-hmm. um but uh really enjoy every aspect of, of kind of the, the weather and being able to kind of enjoy the outdoors here in texas so hopefully that one a storm like that's not coming anytime soon well deidre you have clearly acclimated well which is great to see what has being in north texas meant for 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 toyota I, you know a lot at&t frito-lay pizza hut jc penny american airlines so many uh, corporations are headquartered here what has it meant for toyota to be a part of this community from a corporate standpoint yeah it's such a great question you know it's it's such an advantage for for toyota so before you know making plano our home we had organizations and in, in, in offices really kind of spread out in multiple locations and multiple time zones across the United States. And so, you know, this was a really deliberate decision to centralize all of our team members in, in one place. And, and, and I think moving here has just been such a benefit to, to all of our team members, to business partners, and, and ultimately, right, at the, at the end of the day, it can serve our customers better. So I think moving here from a Toyota perspective in terms of what it's done for the business is we can make decisions quicker. I think we can make them more collaboratively. And, you know, I think we can act, we can react more, more appropriately and faster, right? From to market and industry dynamics. I think never, never before has there been a need to be able to be nimble um, and be able to react. So having everyone really in one location has supported this ability for just so much more collaboration, um, just physically being here together. And then, you know, we also have a, we have a, a truck plant in San Antonio. So we, we directly employ over 7,000 team members, um, you know, here. And, um, and so it's just, you know, I have to say it's been, it, it just creates such a, a positive team morale environment um, that it's been really fun to be part of. And then, you know, I think it's also been very important for us to, you know, to integrate ourselves or into, into the, the local community. And so, you know, before the announcement was even made, um, you know, I think Toyota really started thinking about and challenging um, the team to, to really kind of start thinking about how can we ensure that we're showing up as, you know, good corporate citizens of the DFW Metroplex area. And so um, lots of, I think, partnerships that have been established across, you know, I think both the, the DFW Metroplex, but also throughout the, the state of Texas to, to really kind of demonstrate the support. And um, I think the, the commitment that, that we've made to, to really kind of being part of this community. So I think a couple of venues you probably are aware of, right? That the Toyota Center in Houston, we have Toyota Field in San Antonio, there's the Toyota Music Factory here in Irving, and then Toyota Stadium right here in our backyard in Frisco. And I think, you know, in addition to, to those, there, there's also, you know, I think outside of sport, there, there's a lot of other um, partnerships happening across, you know, music and um, food and, and community and philanthropic efforts happening here. So um, it's been fun to be part of seeing seeing that that partnership really kind of grow and, and, and people, I, I have to say, the employees of Toyota just love, absolutely love being here and have really embraced, I think, this, this Texas, um, collaboration and spirit. We like talking sports business here on the mic drop. And you mentioned the venues, let's especially uh, Toyota Stadium here, the home of FC Dallas. What, what, what is the approach of Toyota? What goes into making those decisions about how to put your name on a, on a venue? Why, why and how that, that works? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, I think um, I fortunately am, am surrounded by an incredibly talented team of people who, you know, they, they, they do this for a living. And so 
um, you know, we have a pretty robust sort of vetting and evaluation and, and selection process. And, you know, we're looking at numerous, I think, dimensions when, when we kind of evaluate what this partnership can bring, right? I think, you know, it's, it's, can it bring, deliver the brand exposure that we're looking for? Does it make sense from a demographic perspective? Um, is there opportunities to activate? Can we get consumers sort of, sort of through a partnership, whether it's, you know, um, signage or, you know, actual more kind of deeply embedded activations, get consumers touching and feeling and experiencing our vehicles? Um, you know, I think we, and we look at every single partnership opportunity differently. Every single one of our, our agreements are structured in a very deliberate and different way. Um, so that the whole portfolio of partnerships can kind of deliver on on an overarching strategy, and every, everyone's delivering something unique and a little bit different for us. So some might be, you know, heavy on media. Some might be, you know, it's just about putting our name on a stadium and getting the brand exposure. You know, some of our NGB partnerships, particularly, are all about getting our dealers and local, you know, consumers really kind of involved in 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 engaging, you know, with, with Toyota through the lens of these sport properties. So everyone's unique and everyone's different. And, and we do look at them certainly singularly, but also take a holistic approach and understanding how can that play a role or maybe meet a gap that we've identified in the overarching sponsorship portfolio. Well, Deidre, we really uh, appreciate your support of Toyota Stadium. It, from a sports commission standpoint, it's a uh, big asset of ours. We work with uh, Dan and Jimmy uh, on, a, on a pretty regular basis over there. I think we're going to have some pretty big announcements coming out uh, in the next few weeks of uh, events coming there. So that's a, that's a, a great uh, thing for us. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I also teach a, a class at uh, SMU and uh, always try to give uh, some of my students a few nuggets of uh, what's next or what they should be looking at. Uh, you know, a lot of times, actually, we, we just talked sponsorship and uh, event activations and that sort of thing a few weeks ago. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, when you're thinking sport management or getting into sport, you don't necessarily think uh, big brands. They don't understand yeah. that, you know, there's a whole division and uh, that is uh, focused on that and, and how they evaluate and, and uh uh, that figure out what makes sense to to get their brand out there and, and how they do it. So if you could give a, a few nuggets to, to students, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, so one, um, I didn't know you were, were a professor there. <laughs> I actually just taught a class, um, a sports management class there just before the uh, the end of the semester. So I had a great time giving an overview of all the the, the things that we're doing from a brand perspective um, and, and a lot of interesting questions. So, you know, I would say, it's such a great field to go into, right? Sports in general, the industry, I mean, I might be biased, but I don't think there is a better <laughs> industry to, to enter into. Um, and then when you think about, I think the brand side of it, it's, it's, it's such a great way to integrate marketing with, uh, with sports. And that, that, those are two of my, my own passions. So I would say if you have an interest in marketing and then sports or, or really kind of any vertical within within sponsorship it's such a wonderful way to be able to kind of bring those passions together um and you know i think it, it allows you to really kind of think about the sport industry a little bit differently right so it's, it's how do you leverage the the equity of whether it's working with athletes whether it's working you know i think with these these properties to to really kind of connect emotionally with with consumers and so you know, I think the other thing I love about it is, is as a marketer, we're able to kind of touch all aspects of marketing and advertising within the sponsorship world. And so, you know, oftentimes, if you think about a sort of a traditional marketing role, you might be, you know, you might work in TV or you might work in social media. Well, in sponsorship, the, the great thing about it is you have the opportunity to manage and touch really all aspects of marketing and advertising. And you get to do some really cool things too, right? We have we have 31 Olympic and Paralympic athletes that you know we've built incredible relationships with, and who are deeply invested in the brand. Um, and you get to go to you know, a lot of really cool and fun, exciting events too. So just being part of it, both personally and, and professionally, I think it's just such a fulfilling role to be able to uh, to kind of step into. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The the relationships that I think are key, uh, and that's something that I always uh, really hone in on with some of these students as they're trying to figure out what 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 is next. And um, yeah. you know, the more experience and opportunities, whether it's volunteering or interning or whatever it is, uh, re really pay off. So 
Well, we've got some really big events coming up in North Texas, and you may uh, or may not have heard about our region's bid for the for the World Cup. And you Absolutely. talked about yeah, well, you talked about collaboration and partnership and. Uh, um, uh, and those types of things, I definitely think uh, I could see some engagement there. I, I may have to invite you to, to coffee or uh, just to Please. pick your brain on, uh, on you know, how to best position ourselves. We, we know that our, our corporate base and uh, uh, corporate partners here are important to, to FIFA in making their decisions. So um, you, you may it's get a follow-up call mean, here. <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling so hard for, for the area. You know, I think we have, we're so positioned, well-positioned here. Uh, so may, again, maybe I'm a little biased, but you know, with AT&T Stadium, you know, it, it, it is, and even as a New Yorker, I have to say it's one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. The location here is great, right? Between, you know, Mexico and Canada, I think just the ease of getting both U.S. fans and then international guests to, to come into the area, There's, it's such a connected, um, you know, I think location and, and, and a great hub for, for, you know, American Airlines particularly. So I am, um, I'd love to, to chat more about it. I, I, I can't imagine, and uh, you know, that Dallas wouldn't be really high on the list in terms of being one of the metro areas in, in the US to, 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 to host these matches, but um, it's a really exciting time. And I'm also a, a huge soccer fan. So can't wait, hopefully, to be able to attend some of those games. Well, listen up, FIFA. I think Deidre just did our pitch here. So I, I hope they're listening to us. Uh, I hope so, too. Because uh, I think you're you're pretty spot on uh, there. Well, Deidre, I really want to thank you for joining us here on the Mic Drop. It was a really a pleasure to have some time to sit down and chat with you. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. It was a ton of fun and would love to to chat further. Sounds great. Have a good day. You too. Take care. All right. Now, and All now right, let's uh, hear from Rachel. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com slash Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rachel. And now what a thrill to be joined by number 22 in your program, number one in your heart, the great Rolando Blackman. This is personally meaningful to me as an original Dallas Mavericks employee. Just let me let me just hit a few highlights here before we bring, bring Roe on. All-American at Kansas State, later inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, member of the 1980 U.S. Olympic team. We may get to that in a minute because that team, of course, was boycotted out of the Moscow Games. First-round draft pick of the Dallas Mavericks in 1981. That was the same draft that brought Mark Aguirre, Jay Vincent, and Elston Turner, along with Roe, the original core group of that team. 16,643 points, second to Dirk Nowitzki. Four-time All-Star, lockdown defender, philanthropist, community contributor in a big way. But here's the big one. Career field goal percentage of 49.3. Now, that 49.3 was over 500 for Rowe's entire career. The last two years with the Knicks, when he was not fully healthy in his 13-year NBA career, he, he slid a tad below 500. Now, I'm a PR guy, and I believe in rounding up. So I'm going to make the point here that that – in the golden age of shooting guards with Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler and Walter Davis and Alvin Robertson and Sidney Moncrief, we could go on waiting for him every night coming out that tunnel to try to take his livelihood away. <laughs> Roe made well over uh, half his shots. Uh, today, if you, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to today's shooting percentages in, in a minute, but here's my hot take. I think Rolando Blackman is the most underappreciated Dallas Maverick in history, and especially uh, by the younger generation. Guys Marcus's uh, age, who didn't see what this man did night in and night out on the court and in the, in the community. So Ro, here, having heard all of that, welcome to the mic drop. What are you most proud of? And what do you think, uh, do you think today's generation understands how elite you were as an NBA player? I don't know. I don't, I don't get that uh, at all. But the important factor for me is that I get a, I get an opportunity to anytime I get a chance to speak on it and just uh, let them know and understand how the things and things were a little bit different as far as the rules and regulations, physicality, the actual 
the actual punch a guy in the face and actually just get a technical for it. You know what I mean? And just take a free throw. <laughs> but it's it's just a hand checking, all that kind of stuff. But I, I just want the, them to know and understand that all those years and years and years of practices, you know, when you talk about practicing, you're talking about three to three to five hours of practicing. So you and the rim are one. There's no place on the rim, which which I did not know exactly what was happening. If there was a scratch on something, I could see it exactly what was happening with that kind of a thing. You must be able to hit shots even with the hand in the face. If you can hit shots like this, if you can hit a shot like this, and what I'm saying about that is to hit it, not to not not because you're it's okay. It's just it's just a matter of just getting the game going. But uh I'm enjoying the time now. I'm enjoying the time. And I knew that I played in a great, great time and was elite during those times. And I was very, very happy with with what's happening. And I'm happy to be here now. I'm still a I'm still a young fella a little bit. I'm not gonna run up and down, Kevin but I can still shoot it a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that for a minute. Now, Wednesday night in Memphis, we had more Luca magic with the, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, this was a mic drop moment for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, off balance, off one leg, leaping, lunging from beyond the three point line to hit a game winner at the buzzer uh, to steal uh, to steal a win. Uh, talk a little bit about Luca and what you're looking for from the Mavericks here in this final push to the playoffs. So no, I'm 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 so excited every time I watch a basketball game and checking it out too. I do more stuff on the corporate side now than I do on the basketball side. Uh, but the, the thing when you're watching Luca, you understand the greatness of of a player who has control of all his skills and understands that and is a true elite player in the league today. When you talk about one through four, what top top four, top five, you got to be able to throw Luca in there simply because he has full control of the game with his shooting, passing, rebounding, making teammates better, and also has the spirit of a great player, understanding that at the end of a basketball game and during the game, that he can make an impact. He can make the right play to being able to get that done. And you can see him when you're watching him at the end of basketball games, how he goes toward the ball, gravitates toward the ball, and more often than not is right there to make the play because of the belief in his skills and the opportunity comes that he can make it every time, which exactly is, is exactly what we've been seeing all the way around. But, hey, Kev, when you talk about going down the rest of the season now and the, the things, I'm I'm excited to see everybody else get involved as far as that's concerned. I'm in I'm in I'm in excited about the the Maxi Klebers to being able to hit shots that, that they that they get when they're wide open in the corner because Luke the and Porzingis are on the other side getting double teamed all over the place. So everybody raising the level up is going to be interesting to see if they can do that and, and have the opportunity to impact the playoffs when they get there, because at the end of the day, it's not going to be about Luca and for singers, they're going to get double teamed. And if they get single coverage, you're going to see those guys go off and, and be the best they can be. But everybody, all the Hardaways, all the Jalen Brunson's, all the, all when we talk about Dwight Powell and the new JJ Reddick hit those threes, JJ, when you have all those guys on the other side, those are the guys that are going to make the, the win happen by being consistent and taking advantage of the greatness of those players on the court. So, Ro, you mentioned uh, your focus kind of on the corporate side uh, these days. So tell us a little bit about your role with the Mavericks and, and what your day-to-day -day is, what you're up to these days. Um, matter of fact, these days I'm, I'm up to keeping myself safe and okay. making sure that I, that I stay away from people who, who, who have not got their vaccines and who don't wear a mask. So that's the main thing for me right now. But if, if you are getting your vaccine and if you are wearing your mask, then the opportunity comes for me to be able to interact and, and do some different things as far as time is concerned. But my time right now with the masks on the corporate side, I, I really, I really get an opportunity over the past few years to, to being able to, to interact with, with uh, community development, uh, season ticket holders, corporate events. So, so a lot of times my day would be just, just as the game, as the game is on, I'm, I'm going right there before the game and I'm having an opportunity to talk to, to, to corporate tees, corporate situations that are going on all throughout. I get an opportunity to, as the game starts to go up into the different suites and have an opportunity to talk to, to many, many different businesses that are, that are conjoined with the Mavericks or want to, to be sponsors or have an opportunity to, to, to just get out there and uh, infuse myself with the fans walking up and down the arena. You'll see me walking up and down the arena or, or and, and after the games, of course, uh, the next day you'll have community development situations that are happening all over Dallas, Fort Worth. And I can be a part of that with, with what's going on. So 
it's just a it's just an opportunity. DISD speaking to kids, having the opportunity to be around and uh, and just infuse the time and talk about the things that have that have happened throughout the time, whether it's the game now or the game before, or we're talking about corporate opportunities that are there. I'm uh, I, I keep myself involved in in that in that realm because I get a chance to go home at night now. Well, Ro, I am very, very thankful for, for your philanthropic and community initiatives and really engaging. It's very impactful. You were very helpful uh, in a huge part of the NCAA Men's Final Four uh, when it was here in 2014, the Super Bowl before that in 2011, uh, our Women's Final Four in 2017. And don't worry, uh, 2023, we're hosting a Women's Final Four again, uh, Division One, Two, and Three championships. So I'll be knocking on your door. So just go ahead and make sure to, to answer the phone and answer those texts when we call upon you there. I will. I'm, I will. I'm ready. Anytime you get to interact, it's a wonderful situation for people to see us as we are. We're, we're just... We're just human beings and the opportunity to, 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 to really be a part of the community has always been a big, big focus of mine. And I've always tried to stay involved all throughout every community here in Dallas Fort Worth. So you were one of the first generations of players who actually stayed in Dallas. You, you played for uh, uh, you're from New York. You finished your NBA career with the Knicks. You could have stayed there after completing that career. Why Dallas? Uh, why is Dallas home 41 years later? Listen, Dallas is a fantastic place. I, you know, something we all have our challenges and, and the times that, that, that we come through, but the important factor is that the people of Dallas is what uh, made it fantastic for me, having the opportunity to have many, many uh, good friends here, many, many corporate people, many, many uh, opportunities to, to, to just join the fabric of what Dallas is, helping in the community, being a part of what's, what's going on in the basketball schools, the camps, the day-to-day, the -day, and just the fabric of Dallas is, is all about throughout the time it's, it's grown so so very much as far as the people are concerned you can see now that there's so many different people from all kinds of different backgrounds uh, uh, coming to Dallas and being a part a part of Dallas you can see the changes in the diversity and also the uplifting in Dallas which is fantastic from, from when I first got here to where it is now the growth of inclusion and really having the opportunity for people to understand and to come together has been the big focus for me and it's been something that I can see and feel and understand the changes that have happened here through all the people of different backgrounds that are coming here and melding together and uh and living life here in Dallas Fort Worth. Ro you came to the United States as what a third grader I believe from Panama City. Uh year old seven year old I was up in, I was here yep definitely you, you walked New York you walked you walked to a park with a soccer ball, had no idea what, what this basketball thing was. Uh, and, and that park where you started playing uh, is now in, in the East Flatbush section of Brooklyn is now Rolando Blackman Park. Uh, I, I don't know if, if, if uh, how can you summarize your, your journey from those humble beginnings being cut in seventh, eighth, ninth grade from your team to ending up in the College Basketball Hall of Fame in a multiple time uh, all-star and all the other things that you've accomplished in life. You know something, you know how I sum it up? I sum it up in care and the love that I received. That's exactly what I received. As, as uh, Upon landing here in the United States with my family running around all over the place, didn't see my mom and dad for three years after that. But during those times, I had the opportunity to have great people around me, not only my grandmother and rest of the family, which was, which was tremendous, but also the school system was ready because uh, I came to this country, hablando puro español. No hablo la lengua de español, no la lengua de inglés. Es un poquito, un poquito de inglés. But I, I went to remedial reading classes in the morning. I was at class at six o'clock in the morning, and when school started at nine, I started regular classes so that I could understand English. The boy went to the store. Why is there a dot at the end of that? Why is the T big on that? How do I do? Just all the things that that I had to get accomplished in the speaking and the understanding of what would carry me forward in the future. Coming home with my grandmother sitting me in front of the television and watching some Walter Cronkite stuff and say, this is what's happening here. This is what's going on. And just grooming me. And, and also the people in the, the people in the neighborhood that that was big for me also, because they were carrying the same flag and helping all of us kids move forward, ingraining us with the things that we needed to flourish. If you had the time, took the time to listen and apply yourself. That's, that's the key. There are people around who have tried to help you, but you've got to listen and apply it to what you see and what you know 
to be true, to be, move yourself forward and not follow a crowd. Because I, I never follow a crowd. I don't follow, follow a crowd, especially if you're going the wrong direction. I, I always veer left and I'm off that highway. So it's a big deal. The, the country was ready for me and I got lots of help from people. So I, I would equate it, Kevin, to the people and the love that I got that, that, helped, me, that helped me traverse and move forward. What do you think? There, there, there has never been a more competitive person who, who played for the Dallas Mavericks than you, or maybe played in the NBA. The fire, frequently I'll, I'll watch a Mavericks game and at, when the game ends, win or lose, the players are all hugging each other and swapping jerseys and, and, and all this stuff. And I, I say to myself, Derek Harper and Rolando Blackman, we're not, we're not hugging Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas after a game with the Pistons or whatever example you want to give. I mean, the NBA, the players are magnificently talented. Uh, no question about it. But what do you think when you see, you know, sort of the chumminess uh, as somebody who's so competitive? Yeah, yeah. it's just, just like, like, like I said, you know, something, it's just a different time. And I, I just equate it to being a different time in that, in that these kids come up together playing AAU, different situations are happening, and they all come together in that kind of a fabric of, of being players and getting to know each other and understanding that kind of a thing. While I, while, while I came from being cut, seventh grade got cut, eighth grade got cut, ninth grade got cut, and it's a, and it's a fire in my belly. Even today, even today, it's, a, it's, about, it's about the competition and it's about, it's about trying to win. The important factor with me is that you get, I get a chance to relax if I play for fun, which is fine. But once you start counting, Kevin, once you start counting, Kevin, somebody's going to lose. And that's not going to be me. I'm not going to let you beat me uh, at all. And that's a competitive fire that comes out. Once I hear that one, one, two, oh, somebody's about to. So the competitive fire is always there to being able to get that done. And I think you get a greater edge. I think you get a greater edge on your talent if you don't like the opponent. If you if you send them off, if you send them off with the foot that, that, that that's necessary and making sure that you look on the calendar and know that I'm gonna play this guy again the next time. And we can't be we can't be buddies because you gotta elbow him sometimes, and sometimes you gotta elbow him in the face. And that's just the way it goes, period. And I'm not saying sorry. Well, we got about two minutes left. I just we, we had a great conversation with Deidre DeLilly from Toyota about the Olympics and their sponsorship of the Olympics coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 41 years ago, uh, thereabouts, you were a member of starting guard on, on the youngest Olympic basketball team ever. Phenomenally talented team, multiple Hall of Famers on that team, including uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, guys like Patrick Ewing and Bill Lambeard did not make that team. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were you were the victim of a boycott uh, because of Russia's in, invasion of Afghanistan. Forty years later, forty-one years later, how do you reflect on that? What what has stayed with you from that disappointment? Yeah, look, look. All I can tell you is about the pain of what it is. The pain of coming through from another country, having the opportunity to play this wonderful basketball game in in a, in a great great country. And traversing all the ups and downs, and and I, I look at that for the other athletes also. Not only for me, there's a place in time that you get an opportunity to be a part of something really special, the USA Olympic basketball team, and you make it, Kevin. You make it. You're on the team, and you have an opportunity to go represent your country and go against the other countries. And you know that's a ravenous thing for all the guys that are there. But it's it's a painful situation. And I know that we're American citizens, who I know that we love America, but we also want to know that don't use us as a pawn to being able to get a point across somewhere else when that point does not really help the people that are, that are there in, in that argument that you have, whatever it is politically, all you're doing at the end of the day is you're really, Kevin, you're really hurting the athletes that have come to that finite point of their talent and are there and you take all that away every four years. And, th and there you go. The, the athletes are the one that get hurt in the, in the back and forth of, of being a pawn in the game. Well, Ro, this has been such a thrill to have you on, on the mic drop. Uh, continued success to you. All the best to, to you yep. and your family. Thank you. Uh, and we'll look, we'll look forward to continuing this conversation uh, another time here on the mic drop. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. 
We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. This brings us to our What Are You Downloading segment and our special guest this week, Mike Ducey, the weeknight sports anchor at Fox 4, covering sports in North Texas for more than 25 years. He was very, very young uh, when he arrived at Channel 4 back in the day. Of course, in addition to his weeknight anchor duties, he's also the host of Free For All, which is a fun nightly show. Throws a little opinion, a little entertainment, a little pop culture in there. And of course, Sports Sunday, uh, Fox 4's weekly 30-minute show. Mike, welcome to the uh, mic drop. What's it been like for you to actually be back inside the arena for Mavericks and Stars games and Globe Life Field for Rangers? Sully, how you doing? You know, it, it's been a lot of fun, needless to say. I mean, 13 months, uh, for the most part, working from th this, this very room at home has been unusual, to, to say the least. I've been in the studio a handful of times, but it's been great to get out to the new ballpark. We were out there last fall when the, when the World Series was held there, but to, to be there with, uh, with fans and stands certainly was a story in and of itself. So that was fun. And then uh, Sam, my co-host, and I were out at the American Airlines Center on back-to-back -back nights here this week for a Mavs game and a, and a Stars game. So it, it felt a little bit like, like old times. Again, odd to have the arena so lightly attended with, you know, whatever, 4,000 people in there that was a little bit eerie but good to see some fans and, and reconnect there so mike last week we had uh cowboys sideline reporter christy christy scales on uh the mic drop she predicted in the upcoming draft uh, the cowboys may focus on defense maybe one of the top cornerbacks but she also thinks if uh, florida tight end kyle pitts is available he could uh, be their choice at number 10. So who do you think uh, the Cowboys may go for this draft, their first pick? I, I've kind of given up on trying to predict <laughs> how this Cowboys brain trust thinks, uh, to be honest with you. I think what they should do is go defense without without exception. I know the, the, the tight end, you know, would be um, tempting. And, and their argument would be, you know, last year they needed defense as well. They got C.D. Lamb an outstanding receiver. And I'm still not convinced that was the right choice either. As, as, as good a player as, as Lamb is and as great a player as he might end up being, it's obvious what this team needs from the get-go. And they um, especially in the secondary. So you get whatever cornerback is, is the best on your board at the time that you select, you take him first, and you don't get cute about it. I think that's what you should do. What the Cowboys will do uh, is, is still pretty much anybody's guess, I think. Spoken as a veteran observer of the Cowboys uh, draft room, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. So, so Mike, it, it, let's get into what you're downloading. What are you downloading? What are you streaming? Open up the, uh, your, your records for us and let us give us a glimpse of what's going on in your uh, entertainment world uh, at, uh, at home. You know, it's funny, it's been uh, different for me because I've, I've worked nights for, I don't know, 30 years plus. So it's been an unusual position for me to be in here over the last year or so to, to be at home most nights and in a position where I, I can watch some stuff and, and stream some stuff. And, and my wife, Ruth, and I have really uh, taken advantage of this opportunity to get caught up on some some shows. I understand what this whole binging craze that the kids <laughs> talk about is is all about. I, I was on the ticket, uh, filled in for a week over the holidays, and we did a segment on, on binge watching. And so I, I had kind of a list from men that I revisited. Part of the thing with me is I, I watched the stuff and I realized how how little of it I remember after the fact. You know, I, I'm really into it for a while and it's gone. But a lot of the stuff in terms of, of TV watching uh, that, that I've streamed and, and enjoyed, some of the, the shows a lot of people have, have really gotten into, Queen's Gambit and Ted Lasso. I was fairly early to Ted Lasso. Man, I love that thing about the, um, the Sudeikis vehicle there, about the football coach from the U.S. who goes to England and coaches soccer. Can't wait for the next season on that. The Crown, of course, is always good and was again this year. We really got into a, a series called Offspring, which was, I think it's 
uh, a sitcom, but it's so much more than that. It's an Australian uh, produced uh, show that had six or seven seasons. So we really got into that. A show called Atypical, which was a very touching um, family uh, show about a, a young man on the uh, autism spectrum. Uh, a show called Away, which was a Hillary Swank vehicle where she led an expedition to Mars. No spoilers here coming from me. But so we, we have uh, have binge watched our share of, of shows, although it's still odd for me to sit down and watch like six or seven in, in one sitting like a lot of people do. I'm still a little more traditional in my viewing habits, I think, than that. You've given us some good recommendations there. I'm definitely going to check out uh, Offspring. I'm with you on a way. Love that show. My wife, uh, Joe, and I watched that. Queen's Gambit, of course. Uh, and Ted Lasso definitely has struck a chord. You know, Jeff Van Gundy mentioned that one. We've had a few guests here on the mic drop that that have talked about Ted Lasso. You, can you imagine uh, imagine in real life what, what that would be like if uh, an actual uh, NFL coach went over there and, and tried it? What if Jimmy, imagine Jimmy Johnson in the Premier League. I mean, uh, no, I, I really, I really, I really can't. I don't think Jimmy would be as, as funny as Ted Lasso. I think there would be a lot less comedy involved in that show. So I'm not sure how that would fly. But that one really, I don't know why it, it surprised me. I can't remember who told me. I think maybe I heard David Moore from the Morning News talking about it on, on the radio. And, and so I, I was intrigued by it. And that's one that I did kind of sit down and, and binge and watch all the episodes I could get my hands on it at one time. So, so that was a lot of fun. Um, but I, it, it's funny because I, in preparing for our conversation today, I knew we'd be talking about this and I was all ready to say, well, I am somewhat traditional in the way that I view things. I still have cable television, for example. I still like having that coaxial cable coming out of the wall going into a box and then the TV. Ironically, our cable went out overnight. <laughs> we, had a, we had a thunderstorm. And so uh, I'm using a Wi-Fi hotspot to communicate with you right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, drag kicking and streaming here into modern technology, even to get on the air with you guys. Well, those, those are the travails of technology. Well, I appreciate that. We're giving Monica the week off of a download. My, my download this week is a pre-order of President Bush's new book, Out of Many, One, Portraits of America's Immigrants, which comes out on Tuesday. It's a collection of 43 portraits of immigrants, but he would tell you more importantly, their stories, and 43 incredible stories of the, the positive impact uh, in the many ways that immigrants uh, improve life in, in America. So check that out. And it's not too late. Go to bushcenter.org. You can find all the details. There's an event on, on Sunday the 18th where President Bush will be speaking with uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's one of the subjects in the book uh, about immigration and about the American dream and about their stories. And, and of course, knowing President Bush, you won't be surprised, Mike, that there are sports connections in Out of Many One. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is painted and his story is told. Annika Sorenstam is featured in the book, as is Albert Pujols of the, uh, of the Angels. So check out out of many one that's my shameless plug for my former boss uh president george w book george w bush but it really is uh uh, uh is in- incredible so so with that thanks again to uh, to mike ducey to deidre delilly and to the great rolando blackman all our guests are great but i have a special uh spot in my heart for for row thanks to the mic drop production team chris amelia marcus carr and our visionary and showrunner tony fay until next time thanks for listening